You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. I did consider all the possible puns that are inherent in a one-syllable word like soul. I mean, there's so many different synonyms that are possible to bring into it. And eventually I went, no, I really like this movie. I don't feel like sullying it with my dirty, semantical humor. Say that for your OnlyFans. Yeah, Chris has no soul and he can't jump. Hey, I have a soul. I loved this movie. That means I've got a soul by default, right? Does love come from the soul? I feel like Pixar would be the only studio that actually deep dives into that question. Pixar is slowly trying to build a series of chapters in their religion, I think. Because there's this, and then Inside Out, you're like, what are you guys doing? What's the next one going to be about? You got like three movies from now, there's going to be one about how the what the afterlife is like. And what is it like? We don't know. That's Coco. Just watch The Good Play Season 4. That's In my head, that's what it is. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, yeah, this is the latest from Pixar. Joining me on this review is Nathan. Hey, watch Defending Your Life. That is my interpretation of the afterlife. That's a great movie. Definitely. A criminally underseen Albert Brooks film. Great double feature with this. Then Brad. Hello. I don't think about the afterlife. I don't think about oblivion a lot. You know, the vast nothingness and the empty void. It's kind of depressing. You don't think about the Tom Cruise movie a lot? Neither does anybody, (laughs) including me. Are you meditating right now, Brad? You're like, I don't think about nothingness and all of none. The beauty of nothing. <laughs> um, and joining us for the first time on camera at one of us is Doggett. Huge reveal. Doggett is not a person. He's a puppet. I didn't know. No wonder he was a little sensitive about being on camera. Afterlife Doggett. <laughs> is that what you are? Afterlife Doggett? <laughs> I'm living my best afterlife. Was a person turned out to be a soul inhabiting a cat disguising as a dog. <laughs> it's Doggett's soul is a puppet. <laughs> this review just got meta. This movie is the latest from Pete Doctor. Uh, he's the chief creative officer of Pixar. He came up from below with Monsters, Inc. and gradually made himself a, well, a monster at Pixar with films like Up, Inside Out, and now Soul. It was co-directed by Kemp Powers, co-wrote it, who was actually the writer of another major hit in 2020, the play turned into a movie, One Night in Miami, which some people have been telling me is actually their favorite movie of the year. This film is starring the voices of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Questlove, Felicia Rashad, David Diggs, Richard Iode. I always feel like I'm saying that wrong, but I'm not. And Angela Bassett. Not everybody likes jazz. And that's okay. Some of you are young. No, I I agree with that completely. I think it's something you grow into. I love jazz. Because Nathan's like an old guy's soul, but with like still some wrong people opinions like Tron is good. So, you know. (laughs) Fuck off. We couldn't get through this whole review. Sometimes I want to listen to music with no lyrics. 
is there no lyrics to jazz? That is the, one of the questions in the subtext of soul, I suspect. Jazz is a made-up word. It's called social music. All words are made up. <laughs> yeah, it's all made-up words. It's not like man crawled out of the mud and went like, look, a word. Oh, thank God somebody left this dictionary here as he crawls along the beach. Anyway, Jamie Foxx voices Joe Gardner. He is a middle school teacher, teaches him band. And it's actually right off the bat, I kind of was like, I've seen this. I remember this in school where there would be like, most people are just bored in class, but there's that one student who is like, just has a natural gift for whatever it is, but is a little embarrassed about it because kids are ruthless and don't like when somebody else is better than them. So he's like, oh, that's what makes it worth it, though, is that one kid. But he ends up stumbling right after getting what he's been working with for a year, which is a full-time, secure career at the school. They're like, yeah, we want to, you know, give you the full job instead of just part-time, which makes his mother very excited because, like, musicians, what good are they? Am I right? All our moms are waiting for that phone call. And then he gets <laughs> the same night an offer to open for the band of a jazz legend, Dorothea Williams who is voiced by Angela Bassett. He uh, has an accident and when his soul leaves and goes up to the great beyond, which is basically a big escalator going up into the light. But he's like, fuck that. I just got two big things happen in my life I've been waiting for forever. I am not leaving. And he jumps off the escalator and falls into the great before, which is a place where all the souls that are waiting to be born are given a spark through various mentors that are there to try and help them find what that spark is, what that drive is. And he said, sure, I'm here. Yeah, I'm a mentor. Sure, whatever. And like, okay, well, you get 22, voiced by Tina Fey, who is this soul who's been there for a very, very long time. He's like, I don't want to go to Earth. I want nothing to do with it. I'll do anything to just stay here and avoid it. But Joe's got to do what, he, what he's got to do. He's got to find a, a passion. They, they come to an agreement where it's like, okay, the only way to get back to Earth is if you have an Earth pass. And the only way to get one of those is if you get a spark. And she's like, look, I'll work with you on finding what my spark is, but then you take it and you can go back to Earth. And this leads into a series of mishaps, uh, misunderstandings, and body switching, and a lot of jazz. I'll tell you guys, the sequence where they're talking about what being in the zone is like for like musicians, sports players, writers, whatever, was so, I thought, beautiful that I just got chill. I'm getting chills right now thinking about it, just like all up and down my body. I was like, oh my God, that's just, that nails that in a way I don't think anyone else has ever really gotten it. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You know, a bunch of pinball wizards are up there in the zone and playwrights. <laughs> Maybe not at a Starbucks, but you guys are writers, right? I'm in the zone right now. <laughs> in the zone. I'm about to enter the zone. Here comes a Bradley rant. Whoa. Oh, oh, oh. Spider-Man, here we come. <laughs> yeah, here we go. When I'm ranting about Miles Morales, Peter Parker, and the duality of helping people, no matter where you come from or how you're raised, I, I, I'm entered the zone. Anyways, before I digress into that. Oh, I thought you were still, you were using that as a comparison piece. I was like, I'm anxious to see where, where this I? is going. How did I get here? No. <laughs> is there actually a rant or was it just the threat of a rant? Oh, okay, okay, here we go. So I hate so many tropes in this movie that films often do because I see a ton of kid movies. Body swaps, woohoo! I hate them so much. And I was annoyed seeing it in this movie. This movie still, with storytelling mechanics that I hate, got me choked up and sometimes openly sobbing four times. Wow. I watched it again the next day thinking, okay, I'm over it. Let's watch it again without being overcome by emotion. The same four times. 
Wow. Those sequences. I, I drift when I hear music, especially music by the hands of a, a craftsman who has dedicated his life to speak in this language, which is music. Oh, I'm going to get choked up. I'm getting choked up. Someone take it from me. <laughs> I know that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did a lot of the score, but I'm not sure who actually played the jazz sequences here. Oh my gosh. Okay. Huge jazz fan here. John Patisse did it, who I think is one of the best jazz musicians out there. He did a Chronology of a Dream last year, which is his live album from uh, Village Vanguard. Fucking astonishing. I'll definitely be looking into this guy because I like jazz anyway. I tend to really be into especially piano-based jazz I really like. And this was like, I was just tapping my toes. Every time he was playing, I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. I want more of this. Jazz holds a special place in all our hearts, I think. I mean, I think we all lost our virginity to jazz, right? Um... No, I lost my virginity to the Sicario soundtrack. Well, you're just a fucking nerd, Nathan. I really love the beginning of this movie. When we get to the afterlife, after we get to know Joe, because he he reacts to the afterlife like I do when I enter a golden corral. Like, uh, I didn't ask for this. No one's wearing masks and all the food is out in the open. <laughs> okay. I gotta chime in here, because I labeled myself on the video review, which if you can subscribe to oneofus.net, you will see as the Pixar cynic. I have very few Pixar movies that I truly love, and when everybody tells me, oh, you're gonna love Coco, oh, you're gonna love Inside Out, oh, you're gonna love Finding Dory. You, who said that last one? Yeah, who was pimping for Finding Dory? Was that Ed Helms? Do you know Ed Helms personally? A lot of people. Usually it's every Pixar movie that doesn't have a car as the lead character. But, (laughs) I digress. This is the best thing they've done in over a decade. This is fucking phenomenal. I could not believe how awestruck I was by the visuals, which it's more than just visuals. The uh, the music. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, they do this like new age sort of almost meditative score that works as a good juxtaposition with all the jazz that you hear in here. The lighting. This is the first time I've ever seen an animated movie look this good with its lighting. And I know they asked uh, Bradford Young, who did the lighting on Arrival slash cinematography. And it looks fucking stunning. All the voice acting is incredible. This is one of my favorite interpretations of the afterlife. So yeah, I'm pretty fucking awestruck by this movie that I went in so cynical. And you ended up enjoying it so much anyway. But you did say you're a huge jazz fan. And jazz, where I don't think a love of jazz is required at all to appreciate this film, it's going to be a nice little bonus if you do, in fact, love jazz watching it. But you can apply what he's talking about here and that feeling that being completely absorbed into something that you love like that to anything, no matter what it is. I think it still works for you. Yeah. I agree with you, though, Brad. Like, I went when they were doing the body switching. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes. And I know that a lot of people were like, oh, you're going to put a white woman in the body of a black man. So we'll technically put the voice of a white actress into an animated black character. The African-Americanness, if you will, of this seems very prominent and doesn't seem sublimated at all in any way by that happening. But I will, I mean, I mean, the first thing I thought was like, I want to enter you like an animal. Sorry, Trent Reznor. Let's start first and foremost. This is the blackest movie Pixar has ever made. Yeah, it's the only one. (laughs) They spent a lot of time going to a doctor trying to figure out how to be really sure that they were not creating a caricature of an African-American person. And it was like, yeah, we were like, you. obviously there's a long history of racist stereotype in cartoon characters of African-American characters 
and you want to be so sure. I'm like, and that just double underlined the fact that you haven't really had many African-American characters at all in your films. <laughs> well, it was actually pretty cool because they actually got a consultant for the film. And the main thing he did was he went to a chalkboard and he wrote down, treat them like they're people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that truly won me over with this movie is that it comes to a point where the movie could end and already do a victory lap with the point that it's already made. And then it goes on top of that to make another point that's even more poignant and philosophical. And it, I'm going to say floored a lot. I was floored by the maturity of this movie. This isn't a film that I think readily will apply to kids. I know I have a few siblings, I mean, I have a ton of siblings, I'm the oldest of 10, who get weirdly philosophical of me, who will love this, but I'm just curious how this is going to play for families. That's why you have the Tina Fey character for. The cynical, younger, but older character. <laughs> I think this was definitely more aimed at older people, for sure. There's points in this movie, I'm like, kids are not going to have a clue what the fuck they're talking about, but it's constantly cartoony and jumping around and fun and i think kids encounter that sort of thing all the time and sail past that stuff just fine as long as something slapsticky is on the horizon which it in fact is so i don't see it being a problem so much as i think this is a movie that adults are going to cling to much more aggressively and with more passion than children will and that's fine it's a beautiful film that's trying to deal with much more on the surface, not a terribly complex idea, but it's the God is in the details, as they say. The idea is like, yeah, don't be materialistic is the surface idea. <laughs> and then, no, it's a lot more complicated than that. I don't think it's going to be one of those movies that has the same issue that Spike Jones's Where the Wild Things Are had, where it is just so an adult movie that has no appeal. Uh, you guys brought up the body swap thing, and I actually was really impressed with how they handled it. Because, you know, your typical body swap would probably be like, oh, this is the soul of a cat in a person's body and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't know how to be a person. I felt like they handled it so well with how witty it's handled. And it actually had a lot of tension because you grow to fucking care about Jamie Foxx in this movie and understand his fatal flaw as a character. And I just can't give enough praise to the main voice cast for this movie, which is one of the best that Pixar's had in a long time. Jamie Foxx is so expressive with his voice. Tina Fey nails her character. And, well, Dog, you said that her character is kind of what the kids would go in for. She's not like the plucky sidekick at all. She brings up actual really poignant points about why you should want to live. And honestly, is a whole mood to uh, sound young as fuck. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. She shits out her pizza. <laughs> I, the movie made me hungry. It, like, it is totally all about pizza. I'll say as well, like not only does it love jazz, which I love, it loves pizza that I love. But even though there's a body swap, which, yes, can be kind of boring, it's like a, two people. One of them's trapped in a cat body and is dealing with cat instincts. And you guys know me. I was like, oh, kitty. <laughs> And one person doesn't even know how a body works, which added a whole other level of tension. I just feel that the deeper meaning of the movie really won me over. I don't want to get into what the deeper meaning is, because I'd rather that be a surprise for everybody. But yeah. we could jam about life all that we want after this. Let's freeform uh, on some final thoughts here. Brad, what do you think? All right. I absolutely hate the body swap. And seeing this movie twice, I hated it the second time. I hate that trope. The cat, adorable. It is incredible what Pixar has done with the animal. Take a look at the uh, the dog's name. What was it, Rex? Chainsaw. Who cares? 
in Toy Story 1 and the cat, the way this cat stretches, this cat does a deep cut to Abraham DeLacy from the Aristocats. He poses. Oh my gosh. I was like, what? I didn't even know I had that nostalgia for that silly film. I'll just say real quick. Uh, yes, I've watched this with kids through all ages, uh, two year old, all the way up to a 13 year old. And I'm actually so excited that Pixar doesn't talk down to kids. I'm so excited for the five to eights to be watching this going, <laughs> she pooped the pizza. And then at 15, suddenly being like, where does passion go when achievement and success rears its interesting head? And then to be in their 30s, to be like, God, there's so much beauty in the world. And uh, this hit me hard on all those levels. But yeah, I'm going to be a bit of a curmudgeon. I hate body swap films so much. So tired of it. Let's give this eight missed layups by a New York Nick in 10 games that cost them the season wow well someone's going to he double hockey sticks (laughs) (laughs) all right doggett why don't you give us a little more of your final thoughts then well what can i say this shit's almost a perfect movie everybody knows how much i hate cats you know you can't trust them they're just awful awful creatures just throw them away if you can but animation wise that's a beautiful creature on the screen and what they do with it i didn't have a problem with it because it let us know how much jamie fox's character really didn't appreciate the life they had and that was um very retrospective for me actually um this is bullshit i quit <laughs> <laughs> oh no we broke target no but seriously though this is a great movie you should watch this with your kids by yourself you should cry they should cry everybody should cry i'm gonna give this nine out of ten delicious fucking pizzas damn it i haven't eaten yet dog it Nathan? This movie took my modest expectations and exceeded them far beyond what I would expect. This is a top three Pixar film, maybe even my favorite Pixar film. This is a near-perfect movie. The voice cast is great. The art design is so unique. We didn't really talk about that. As far as its portrayal of the afterlife, holy fuck. It's just, it's unlike anything that you've seen it interpreted in anything else. This is a 9.7 that might become a 10 later on after revisits of sign-spinning hippies. We're all kind of liking the same stuff about it, but I felt like, along with Brad, that some of the... There's a lot of tropey stuff in here, a lot of, which is nothing inherently wrong with. There's a lot of stuff I'm like, yeah, we've seen that before. I really like the way it's all put together and executed, but it didn't quite 100% land for me. It landed enough for me to say, yes, I loved it, but is it one of my top 10... Or top five. It's definitely top ten, but top five Pixar? I honestly don't know. And it's the sort of film I'm going to want to watch more than a few more times just to see how I actually feel about it. It is tremendously entertaining. I feel like the only way you could not like this is if you were so determined to be subtextually angry at it for race stuff that, like I said, I think is really on the whole... You got to really want that to be there to be pissed off about it. But who am I to say? I'm a white dude. It's not my place. I'll go with Martin Thomas from Double Toasted, who's like, whatever. (laughs) And he gets to say. (laughs) Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Anything with ghosts and cats, I'm all good with. So I'm going to give this eight and a half out of ten. Oh, that's shit. You just stole my sign-spinning hippie one. I was like, we haven't even talked about the hippie. Okay. Mothers who look really shocked when their sons give them the what for. 
on those sign spinning hippies. I love this point. I started laughing with nothing the movie was doing, although I think it may have subtly winked at it. Like the idea that this hippie, so there are all these hippies and they can be like in the afterlife in an astral projection sort of way. Cause so they're still alive, but they can leave their bodies. You know, so we're like, oh, he's a Buddhist monk, what have you. The one guy is just a hippie. Like I am sign spinning to get in the zone. We're like, <laughs> Yeah, of course you are. That's adorable. <laughs> played by Moonwind, played by Graham Norton, which I thought he did great. I would only say that for a movie called Soul, I'm surprised the solution wasn't chicken soup. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> God, don't tempt Pixar. Don't tempt them. <laughs>